0: W.O.R. Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata.
1: There are some days where three hours just is not enough. I mean, is there any more that could happen in New York sports? And we haven't even gotten to the football stuff yet. That's coming up next week. We'll wait on that with the Jets and Giants with their second and third picks, respectively, in the draft. But the Knicks today, to no surprise, firing their head coach or their former head coach, Jeff Hornacek, Uh, We'll get more into that uh, as the show rolls along, but certainly that's a, a big topic where the Knicks will start their search for the next head coach. They're 11th in the last 18 seasons, I believe, if my math is correct. I was looking it up today. They have had 10 different coaches coach at least a game over the course of the last 17 seasons. 10 coaches, 17 seasons, a lot of losses, so not very good for the Knicks. But the good news is New York baseball is you know uh, out to a great start certainly from the Mets perspective the best start in team history out to the 10 and one so you know about that a lot to do on this Mets off day recap with you know has been a near perfect start now I don't know if you know this uh, and I'm not one to really well yeah I am one to pat myself on the back because if you don't do it nobody else will do it for you I did predict the Mets would win the division so I am uh, even well even with that all kidding aside even with the prediction of the Mets winning the division, you're always surprised with 10 and one. I mean that's that's a lot that goes right over 11 ball games. That's not easy to do, but yeah. I mean, I think people now starting to realize how good this team could be. They're not going to play at this clip, uh, you know, all season long. I don't think they win 100 ball games. I still think it's going to be a battle to get to that 90 win mark, but certainly a great start here. But yeah, I mean, people I think doubted this team and what they could be going in. They talk about. You know, competing for a second wild card spot if they're lucky. If they're healthy, oh, if they're healthy, they'll be good. Well, you know what? Uh, you could say that about any team. And now that's the excuse. Well, the Nationals don't have Daniel Murphy. Well, you know what? The Nats have not been playing good baseball. And I'd rather be 10-1 and than 6-6 and or whatever the Nationals are at this point behind the Mets. And it's been a little bit of everything for the Mets. We'll get more into that specifics, of course, as the show rolls along. Uh, but you have to start with the Yanks. And the latest news regarding that brawl last night. And that was something to watch. Red Sox, Yankees, always fun, but especially when they're going at it like that, when they show the passion and the fight. And I think the thing that gets overlooked is the fact that the Yankees actually won the ball game, and it was a game that they had to win. Yankees had to have that one last night. Now, before we get into the specifics of what happened last night, let's give you the news up to the minute here uh, of the suspensions that were handed down from last night's brawl. Joe Kelly gets a six-game suspension, and fine. Six games a lot, no? Throwing out a hitter, six games. Tyler Austin gets five games. He also gets a fine. Uh excuse me, a fine, and also fined last night uh Alex Cora and Phil Nevin, the third base coach Phil Nevin. Now, and both players, by the way, will appeal their suspension, so that means they'll be available tonight at the very least. Six games, I feel like is a lot. And five for Tyler Austin. I did not think Austin had a real dirty slide. Uh, Was it the cleanest of slides? No, but I don't think it was. I don't think he went in with the intent to injure. He could have controlled his cleat a little bit more where he didn't go spikes into the leg of Brock Holt. But I don't think that that type of slide warranted what happened the rest of the way. You already had the benches clear and the bullpens come out and everything when the incident actually happened. And then later in the game, you have Joe Kelly on the second pitch, not the first one, which is kind of soft. Throwing at Tyler Austin and Austin, you know what? He's not going to have it. He's a you know fiery guy, passionate uh, player, and he runs out there and charges the mound, and the rest is history. And then Cora with his histrionics, you know, fl- sign language toward Phil Nevin, the third base coach, telling him to stay in your box. Basically, that you know, who are you getting your box over there at third? It's going to be. I mean, I-, I think it's a great thing to have for fans to start this season with the Yankees Red Sox rivalry. Two teams. Who most expected would be the lone two teams atop the AL East battling all year long for AL East, you know, supremacy. Red Sox have been off to the hot start. The Yankees, not so much. Red Sox drubbed them, you know, the night before, and the Yanks desperately needed that win. Last night, they get off to the early lead. Uh, John Carl Stanton doing the job offensively. Gary Sanchez, you know, it was just a matter of time before Sanchez. I'm, I'm a little more concerned about Stanton as opposed to Sanchez going into last night. I don't think Stanton's a great hitter. I do think Gary Sanchez is a great hitter. I know you're thinking, well, you're not standing, you know, MVP, blah, 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 blah. You watch him, and you watch how feeble he has looked. The two platinum sombreros. I mean, how you go 0-7 with five strikeouts in a game after you just recently struck out five times in a game and look as bad as he did, that is mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. Missing fastballs. Gary Sanchez hitting the ball hard at times, just in a little bit of a funk. And, of course, both players come out of it last night against David Price, who left the game due to uh, some numbness in his left hand or some weird feeling in his left hand there. Uh, but the Yanks get to him, and he's always disappointing uh, anyway. But Gary Sanchez, the offense come alive. Tanaka was not as good as you had hoped. He almost blew that big lead, but he did not. I gave up the Grand Slam to J.D. Martinez, which you know brought the Red Sox closer, but eventually the Yanks would pull away anyway in that one. And I thought it was a must-have game For the Yanks. Could not afford, after the way they got embarrassed in the first game of that series, after the way they, you know, look, they lost three out of four to Baltimore, Uh, the way that they have started the season with all the expectations and the way they looked, they needed to win that game last night, and they did. They will try again tonight to, you know, win the series here against the Red Sox early on this season. The first of many between these two teams, and now with the bad blood, it makes it even more of a watch. You're intrigued to see what's going on. You get Sonny Gray on the mound tonight. For the Yanks to see what he can do after a decent start last time out against the Orioles. And Sonny Gray and Rick Porcello in game three of that all important series. Yanks coming in at six and six, Red Sox at nine and two. So that'll be fun to watch and see if there's any more, you know, extracurricular stuff going on between those two teams. But it's anytime those two teams play, it's special, especially with the expectations that they both had coming into the year this year. Now with the brawl, now there's legit bad blood. Not only between the players, but between the coaching staffs as well. That's fun. That makes it even more intriguing all season long. Great that it happened nice and early, adding even more intrigue to an already great rivalry with the Yanks and Red Sox. Mets don't really have the rivalry with the Brewers, but it's going to be intriguing to see if they can keep this hot streak going, right? I mean, Now, it's going to be such a huge deal when this Mets team finally does lose. You worry about what's going to happen after. Because you're, you're going to learn about the Mets when they finally lose a ball game or when they lose finally lose another ball game. You're going to see how they respond. Are they going to make it stick? Or are they going to get right back on the horse and start another winning streak? You'll learn about this team. And look, it may not be this week. All right, maybe they lose a game, win a couple, lose a couple. But you'll when they go into their first little rut of the year, that's when you're going to learn most about this ball club. Great start. Essentially, nothing has gone wrong. I mean, you look—you feel bad for Travis Darno, and you don't know. There's still no update on whether he's going to want to have surgery or not. It's not a significant loss for the Mets team. Him personally, yeah, it stinks. Darno not a big factor on this ball club. I thought all along. Uh, look, it's year six. It's the same stuff with Darno. Always hurt, never performs. And I thought Plawecki eventually would take over the everyday role. And now he's got no choice but to do that. I mean, I guess him and Tomas Nito will. Split the time for the time being. Maybe Lobatone gets in the mix eventually. Darno's not a big time factor. All the main pieces have been healthy and have been performing. I mean, last night you get Zach Wheeler stepping up, having the best start of the year. going into se- Zach Wheeler had the best start of his career, but the best start of this Mets season. A guy who wasn't even on the team to start this 10-1 season pitches their best game going in the seventh inning, and the best thing you like about it is just the one walk. Wheeler competing. The guys we told you about moving to the bullpen – Forming a super pen. Remember, you heard it here first. Mets are better than the Nats. Mets will win the division. Super pen. Deep lineup. Best team since 2000. Even better than the 2015 team. You heard it here first. Nobody else was saying, I don't care what station they're on. All of a sudden, now it's a story. Holy, Luca what Gazelman and Lugo could do out of the bullpen. Uh, I mean, why are you surprised? You know why? Because you should be listening to me. And if you were watching and paying attention, you would know that that would be the case. Gazelman and Lugo were supposed to be weapons last year. Lugo got hurt. Gazelman, for whatever reason, couldn't get it together. You saw the change in attitude this spring. You saw the change in role going from the starting rotation to the pen. And now you've seen with Mickey Calloway and Dave Island, their impact on him. Both those guys have been enormous weapons for this team to start to form what has been a super pen. You hate to pat yourself on the back, but sometimes you feel like you got to. 800 321 0710. 800 321 0710, the number to call. Plus, we have pairs of Mets tickets to give away. Two pairs of Mets tickets, in fact. You get a chance to see the best team in baseball. We'll give one pair away in the 7 o'clock hour, one pair away, I don't know, from now until 9. So you yeah, have that to look forward to. Uh, we'll do NBA stuff. We'll actually have SNY's Taylor Rooks in studio to do a little NBA playoff preview is their regular season wrapped up yesterday get set for the nba playoffs, which i think should be an exciting nba playoff this season that will start uh saturday so we'll do that at eight o'clock so a jam-packed sports zone for you and we're just getting started 800-321-0710 it's the Sports zone with sal lakata filling in for pete mccarthy on the voice of new york 710 wor
0: you're in the wor sports zone and for pete here's sal
1: lakata All right, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Weather permitting tonight. Yanks and Red Sox game two. I guess there was uh, potentially some issues. Just joining us, Joe Kelly. Six game suspension and a fine. Tyler uh Austin gets five games and a fine. Both players are appealing the suspension, so who knows when they'll actually serve them. I thought uh, I think that's a little hefty though. I still think that's a little I mean, again, I, I know that it wasn't the cleanest of slots, but it certainly wasn't the dirtiest. And I don't know of all... I mean, Joe Kelly threw it at a guy. It was stupid, but he threw it at a guy. Yeah, they were throwing some punches in there. I don't know. I'd be curious to see what the... I haven't checked what the Rockies... Producer Mark, if you can maybe help me look up uh, what the Rockies' suspensions were yesterday in comparison to the Yanks and see what they got. Gerardo Parra throwing a uh, cheap shot punch in there. Nolan Arenado going nuts. Guys throwing gloves all over the place. I'd be curious to see what the suspensions were, but this is a pretty... I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the new standard, but it was, I think, pretty hefty uh, according to, you know, maybe former standards or what I I thought would be normal, maybe a couple games. But six for Joe Kelly? It seems a little bit extreme for me. All right. Uh, Sandy Alderson, the Mets GM, uh, was on with Lennon Michael this morning, and Alderson talking about, you know, this dream start. Sandy, could you ever have dreamt of a start like this?
2: You know, I never dream of... uh... One loss records, um, the cliche, but uh, it's it's a day by day process, but obviously Met's organization never having done this before uh it's not something we we anticipated or really could have hoped for, but uh, you know the team is playing great, they're gritty, they come back, and Mickey's done a great job. It's been fun to watch for me, and I'm sure for the fans as well
1: yeah you, he nailed it, and I think he touched on a lot of important things there talking with Lennon Michael this morning. That it's not just about the record. You could get caught up, and it's fun. 10-1, ten, ten and one, I get it. Best start in team history. And think about that for a second. When people keep poo-pooing that and telling you, oh, it's early. It's only, it's only April. It's only the first week of the season. It's only 11 games in. Nonsense. It has never happened in the history of the franchise. 1962 to date, it has only happened now. That's it. This is the only year. That it's ever happened, this start. Remarkable. But more importantly than the numbers and the actual record is the way that they are playing. You know, more so than, I remember, I don't know if it was just last year in particular, but even just doing the shows with Pete, whether we're doing the shows by myself or doing the show with Pete over the last couple of seasons, I remember saying something is missing with this team. They don't play with fire or passion. They don't have any guts. They don't get off the mat. This team has no guts. I remember saying vividly over the last couple of years. And now you're seeing what I was talking about that was lacking because it's now there. I don't think it's just the addition of Todd Frazier. I think it's a combination of the guys that they have brought in, the guys that they have that are now healthy, the manager, the staff, the whole package together is doing exactly what I had hoped they would do years ago and playing with that toughness, with that grit, with that fight. Maybe it's some of the guys that they got rid of that have helped. Addition by subtraction as well. But they have that grit. They have that fight. They answer. After a team scores, the Mets come back. They're down in the eighth, the Mets come back. It. They never believe they're out of it, and they fight like it. And they're not even all playing at their best. None. None of them. Not Syndergaard. Not Degrom. I mean, I guess you could say the bullpen is at their best. And, and I mean, my goodness, you, you hard to be any better than they have been. But the starters haven't been at their best. And Cespedes hasn't been great. Conforto hasn't been great. I mean, even Bruce Frazier. I mean, maybe his Drupal Cabrera. Outside of his it, Drupal Cabrera and the bullpen, nobody is playing at their best level. It's not to say they're going to go. You know. Look out, 98 Yankees or, you know, whatever, 2001 Mariners. Was it 2000 Mariners or 2001? Whatever. You get the point. Not like they're going to win 115 games. I'm not saying that. But it is refreshing to watch good, aggressive, tough baseball, passionate baseball being played where they care not about themselves and their individual stats uh where they're not afraid to, you know, fail in a spot. They care about winning. Keep the line moving. Hey, if the salt and pepper shakers making it happen, more more power to you. Send me one of the shirts. I don't care. Uh, here's another one from uh, the Mets GM this morning with Len and Michael uh, talking about uh, possibly getting some help with catcher with the news of Travis Darnell.
2: Yes and no. Anytime you have an injury, you know the bottom feeders come out, and uh, so I've had plenty of inquiries over the last 24 hours or so about catching elsewhere. But we're not we're not actively looking. But uh, Naturally, and you know, it would be prudent for us just to have a sense of what's out there. But, you know, we've got Thomas Nito with us currently. And we were able to get him down there quickly from uh, Binghamton in, in the event that we did this, get this diagnosis with Travis. Uh, we've also got a very good uh, veteran backup catcher, Jose Lobaton in Las Vegas. So at the moment, we're covered, but, um, you know, we're always looking.
1: Yeah, there's no need to go out now. If they were going to add a catcher, Jonathan Lucroy would have been the guy. Right now, there's no time to panic. It's a backup catcher. They'll be able to find one if needed. Right now, they don't need it. Whether it's Nito, whether it's Lobaton, who well, I actually like Lobaton. I like that addition. I, I shoot, I thought he was better than Darno when they signed him. I'd rather have him start than Travis Darno. So uh, I think the Mets will be fine at catcher. You know, unfortunately, like I said, you feel bad for Darno, the person, the player. It's horrible. And now to again be injured, especially in a year where he was actually being productive to start, and in a year where the team is 10-1, and you don't want to miss out on that. Unfortunately, it looks like he's going to be out for a significant amount of time, although no decision has been made. Uh, also, producer Mark informed me that no suspensions have been yet handed out with the Rockies-Padres brawl, so we'll keep you up to date on that. One more from Sandy this morning with Lennon and Michael. Uh, what about Wheeler staying in that rotation after his terrific performance last night?
2: He was great last night, there's no question about that. The, the really good thing is he's not on his way back to Las Vegas today but I think it's you know, it's very difficult for us to project where we're going to be in uh, you know five days or ten days but I think that certainly his performance last night warrants other opportunities and given the fact that Vargas is really not ready yet you know I think I think it's likely that he'll be uh, in the rotation for for now and then uh, you know we'll see how things develop with him and with with uh, everyone else in that rotation currently.
1: And the one thing that the Mets need, no, don't rush Vargas back right now. They just need some length out of their starters. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see some length specifically out of DeGrom and Syndergaard. DeGrom's been battling. He's just not going deep enough into these games. Syndergaard has been good, but not efficient enough. And, you know, maybe even Good's been a little bit strong after his last start. I mean, they both each have two wins. You can't be that critical. But they, you'd like to see them at least pitch into the seventh inning. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Bob is in Comac. Bob, you're on The Voice of New York, 710-W-O-R. What's up, Bob? Hey, Sal. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Enjoy your
0: work at night with Mark and Andy after the Met games. Thank really you.
1: Good. Appreciate that. We're having fun on Sports Night after the games. You
0: certainly look like you are. I have been a Met fan for over 50 years, season ticket holder. You stole a little bit of my thunder with respect to uh, the pitching not up to par yet, the starting pitching, and they're really not hitting on all cylinders with the, with the batters. But here's the one thing I noticed extremely different, too, from this year on prior Mets teams. They are working the count like I've never seen before. If you watched the Yankees last year, they would constantly work the count, get their other starting pitcher out into the other, other team's bullpen, And the Mets are doing this this year. The Mets traditionally always would be flailing, you know, three or four pitches. They sit down, striking out. I've never seen them work the count as they have this year. And I know we're crediting the pitching, and when Mickey is done, it's great. But I think that's one thing that I think has been overlooked that is the key to their success because they're getting into the other team's bullpens.
1: And it's working. No, I think it's a great point, Bob. They're grinding out at bats, hence the salt and pepper thing. These guys grind it out. And they're playing loose. They're playing together. They're having fun. I've always said this for years, is that it's not just about the talent. It is also about guys having fun and having chemistry. Chemistry is such a huge part of success. Usually you get to the major league level. For the most part, talent's going to be close to equal. Okay, The difference can be the way that they gel together and the team chemistry. And they have that. And they are grinding out of bats. And it's not just, oh, go up there and draw walks. We want these guys to be. No, it's about smart at bats. Be aggressive yeah. when you need to be aggressive. Pick out a pitch and, and hammer it somewhere. But be aggressive. Don't be foolish up there. Don't be reckless. Don't give away at bats. Have smart at bats. Be patient but also aggressive. It's a fine balance. And I think they've walked that line to a point of great success this year.
0: Yes, they have. And and one other point, you look at this infield last year, starting infield, Reyes at third, not a third baseman. Cabrera at short, hurt, not not really 100%. Walker at second, not really 100%. Duter at first, compare it to this year, night and day.
1: Bob, excellent point, and thank you for bringing it up. Excellent point about the defense. And we talk about how fun it is to watch You know, the lineup grind it out and come back and fight. Well, it is, to me, it's one of the most beautiful things to watch in a baseball game is great defense. And we have been deprived of it for years. Well, not this year. Their defense for the most part, I know, look, Rosario's made a couple errors, Frazier's thrown a couple, whatever. It happens. But their infield defense with a real third baseman at third, you haven't seen this since David Wright in his prime. I mean, Wright has always had issues throwing the ball anyway, but Todd Frazier is playing, you know, coming in barehanded a ball, firing across the diamond, slick with the glove over third, as dribble as smooth as you can be at second base. I mean, they haven't had that. Not Neil Walker, not Daniel Murphy. I mean, I can't remember the last time they had a smooth, legit second baseman over there. And Rosario at short since a young Reyes. I loved Cabrera in 2016, but he's not, I mean, because he's smooth and he's got great hands, and he was a real fielder, the first thing that we've seen in quite some time when he first came here. But now you move him to second, you make the most of that, you bring in Rosario at short, he gets to everything over there. Great arm, great feet, great quickness, hands, all of it. And at first base, you actually have a competent fielding first baseman. Duda as a player was, each. Lucas Duda is a losing player. He's going to hit a lot of home runs, but he does it in bunches, doesn't give you good quality at-bats, doesn't play with any fight, any passion, and he plays awful defense. Adrian Gonzalez already in a week has gotten bigger hits than Lucas Duda has in his entire Met career, and he's made more plays defensively, whether it's scooping out a low throw by Frazier, whether it's throwing across a diamond behind Trey Turner to get him in Washington in a big inning. Uh, you blame the Nationals for you know being bad base runners, but the Mets took advantage of it. Adrian Gonzalez, an excellent defender. Infield defense has been spectacular to start. Best I've seen in a very, very long time. Back to your calls. Do some uh, Knicks as well. We got Mets tickets to give away, so stay tuned for that. 800 321 0710 Sports Zone. Sal Licata and for Pete McCarthy. Voice of New York, 710 WOR.
0: This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy. Here's
1: Sal Licata. Do some nicks in a little bit right now. Take the baseball calls, Mets, Yanks, whatever it is that's on your mind. Brian Cashman at the game today asked uh, about uh, you know the incident last night. Cashman saying, I have no qualms with anything that happened on our side. It's not something that we caused, not something that we created. We got kind of just dragged into it. It happens, so whatever. Yeah, I actually like that quote from Brian Cashman. I don't think that, uh, again, I don't think that what Austin did, his slide – was enough to cause all that that went on. I mean, the little, you know, scrum, uh, to begin with right after the slide, fine, it happens. Then it should have been done. Joe Kelly, you know, throwing at him on the second pitch, I thought it was a little much. I thought the Red Sox were a little sensitive because they were getting beat up last night. Um, I thought that that was uh, a little overreaction um, from uh, from the Red Sox last night, but nonetheless, fun to see. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Eric is on Long Island. You're on the Voice to New York. What's up, Eric? Hey,
0: Sal. Listen, I can't believe that everyone is saying that 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 was legit because I played a lot of baseball growing up and I was a pretty good slider and I was a lefty lead. In other words, I would lead in my left foot and I would I would I would push myself up with my
1: right, and, and, and land straight up on the bag. Mm-hmm. Now his went about a foot off to the left of the bag. Mm, I know, but you think it was dirty with the intent to hurt, Eric? No, no, no. I, no, I don't. I think it was to do to to distract the play. Right, and it really wasn't going to distract the play anyway because it looked like Holt was coming off the bag. He wasn't going to turn and fire to first. Um, well, my, well, my, my, well my, my point is he, he wasn't trying to put his foot on
0: second base which he should have been doing
1: he went off to the left yeah he did but if you watch and i'm you know look i've seen you know plenty of slides obviously happening uh you know throughout the course of watching baseball but if you watch other slides guys who i guess look he did go in with his foot up with his spike up and but, you but know also to the left of the bag in other words right right he, he, he was about a foot off the bag yeah, it did angle toward. If you're watching it straight on from behind Austin's back, his foot did go off to the left a little bit in the direction of. Home. I do think it was more than nothing, but I don't think it was something that, you know, warranted a, a bench clearing melee. I mean, uh, this. this no, I, I agree with you. I'm just, I'm just, only, my only point is this I keep hearing it was a legitimate slide. No, it was not 100%. Yeah, you're right about that, and thanks for the call. It was not 100% clean. I just don't think it was as big of, you know, deal as we've seen. I've seen a lot worse, let's put it that way. I've seen a lot worse that caused a lot less of a stir. I mean, Chase Utley b- literally broke the leg of Ruben Tejada and there was not a scrum to be found, unfortunately. I mean, if I were in that game, somebody would be leaving with a black eye. I mean, that, that that's how bad that was. This was this was a this was a play where if you're Holt, you look at Austin, you could maybe you know have some choice words for him, let him know you didn't appreciate it, and that's it, you move on. And I think that they did that, and then the you know the bullpen's clear and the bench is clear, and then they had that out. But no, that wasn't it. Joe Kelly has to throw on the second pitch after a slider away comes in and drills Austin, and Austin reacted right. I'm, I'm in agreement with Brian Cashman. Uh, with the, I'm in agreement or an agreement? I, I don't know. I, I need to learn English today. I agree with Brian Cashman. <laughs> I do think the Yanks reacted properly in this spot. Jake is in Long Island. What's up, Jake?
0: Hey, what's going on? All right, obviously the Mets aren't going to keep up this pace, and I'm a diehard fan. Are you
1: sure, Jake? Are you sure?
0: <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, right. But uh, what do you think about keeping Wheeler, you know, keeping him up, you know, if he keeps doing this good job and, you know, Salmon, and I just – You know, I don't have any faith in Wheeler. I get nervous every time he
1: touches the ball. Me too, Jake, but here's the thing. Zach Wheeler is not only pitching for this season to make the big club, he's pitching for his major league career. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy and be effective if he wants to be a major league pitcher. And he's got to earn a spot on this team. That was proven by his demotion to start the season. Now he's got an opportunity. He needs to go out there and be the best he can be. He did that last night. Do I believe that he's going to continue to be this consistent moving forward or that good consistently moving forward? No, I don't. But I think Wheeler has shown he can be that guy. He's just got to do it consistently. And I guess thanks for the call, Jake. Uh, Usually I hang up on you that time you hung up on me but i think wheeler's got a lot to prove and he's going to be given another opportunity you heard alderson on this morning with lennon michael he's going to be in that rotation because vargas isn't coming back right away and not only is he competing with potentially vargas when he comes back but what about matt harvey Everybody gets thrilled about Matt Harvey. Ooh, five scoreless innings for Harvey against the Phils. Well, then you watched in start two, or as I like to say, episode two, final season of Harvey Day. And, you know, he goes out there against the Nats Sunday night baseball, and he's lucky it wasn't worse. He was lucky to survive the five innings, giving up, what, four runs. Lucky to survive that. Harvey's got to be better. Matt's has had one bad, one good. He's got to be better. So Wheeler's going to push maybe those guys to be at their best. And whichever one's not doing their job, that's the one that I would make the odd man out. But the Mets are in the right spot here. I said this before the season. And you can go back and check the tapes, whether it's at Sny or whether it's right here. Lugo, Gazelman, out of the pen. That's it. Even with Vargas out, I want Lugo in that pen. Him and Gazellman could form a super pen, be weapons there. Sure Sure enough, 11 games later, you've seen what happens. And then Wheeler comes up, takes that start, and he has been effective. Wheeler is a starter. Lugo, Gazelman. Lugo could be versatile. I think Gazelman's a short bullpen guy, and I think Lugo's better off in the bullpen, especially on this team. Tony in Manorville. You're on the Voice of New York 710 WOR. What's up, Tony?
3: Yeah, how are you? This is uh, that second base one on Boston. Brock Holt. If you look there. And if you look at the uh, Major League Baseball interview, he's like a coward. He was saying those guys are bigger than us, so I don't want to get involved. Uh, he I didn't hear think, him uh, say
1: that. I didn't, I mean, I'm assuming he's referring to Judge and Stanton. I did not hear him say that.
3: Yes. Well, look at Major League Baseball, what are the interviews there? And you know something? The Yankees, I'm, I hate the Yankees, but they'll be all right. I'm hoping for a Subway series this year.
1: Yeah, and, I don't know if I want as, that.
3: <laughs> no, I want it. And the, the
1: key for the Mets is now. Why do you want it, Tony? You want retribution for eighteen years ago? No. You want to finally beat the <laughs> Yankees? And the I'd rather I hated it then. I wouldn't want it now. Look, all good, good health. I hope the Yankees do well. I don't like sharing that stage with the Yankees from a Mets fan's perspective. No. I want it to be the no. Mets World Series.
3: I want them to crush the Yankees in the World Series. No, I, yeah, well, I wanted that in two thousand. I mean, look how. If their fans are sprawled. Yeah. And they can't take losing. Yeah. So well, what are you going to do? That's the way it goes, you know. But uh, I'm an old Dodger fan, and the Yankees are always beating up on us in the series. I just want some revenge.
1: Yeah, well, well, you've been waiting for a very that's long time. Come that's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Tony. That's why. Thanks for the call. That's why I'm not so sure I, I want it. I want the Mets to be there. I don't know if I want the Yanks to be there. It, look, it'd be great excitement, of course. And it would be an epic battle. 2000, the Mets weren't good. They weren't a good enough team to go against that Yankee team. But I remember being annoyed as a fan because it was the first time the Mets have made the World Series in my you know, look, really in my lifetime, right? I was going to a lot of games that year, 50 plus games in 2000. I went to a bunch in 99. And I know they made it in 86 and I was, you know, six or seven years old, but it wasn't the same. In my prime as a fan, that was the first time the Mets made the World Series. It's supposed to be about the Mets in the World Series. Instead, they shared that spotlight with the Yankees. And that always bothered me because it wasn't a World Series. It was a Subway Series. And the only way it would have been worth it was if, in fact, the Mets had erased all those years of the Yankees winning and the Mets failing by beating them head-to-head the first time that they ever play in the World Series. And we all know how it turned out. And I don't know if I could stomach losing to them again. Is it worth the chance? Even if the Mets win, then it's still 1-1. All right, well, we got you in 2000. You got us 18 years later. Tip your cap. Is it still worth the chance? I don't know. It'd be fun, though. That's for sure. Paul's in Brooklyn. What's up, Paul?
2: Hey, thanks for taking my call. I, I want to get your take on the Travis Darno situation. You know, when I hear Tommy John surgery, I think that someone's pushed themselves beyond their physical limit. And and I feel bad for Travis and all, but, it- you know, I don't recall him throwing out a ton of base runners. So do you think he I don't recall him throwing himself? out one.
1: Forget it. I, I can't well, remember the time yeah. he threw out one.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he was giving it 110%, but do you. Do you think he was just pushing it too hard? The rubber band snapped, and, and that's it. And I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Let's I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, thank you, Paul. I don't know the answer to that. Um, all I know is that it is a partial tear of the UCL. I mean, we know that this is – look, didn't it happen with Juan Legaris? It's happened with position players before. Yanks had it happen with Glaber Torres uh, a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. I think he did it sliding it to home. So it happens with guys. I don't uh, – the Mets had it with T.J. Rivera as well. That's a good one, too. Producer Mark, thank you for that. So I don't know if it's, it's you know, overdoing it. I don't think that that's necessarily how it happens. I, I don't know how it happens. I don't think anybody does because if they did, they would try to prevent it. Not like Darno's throwing 100 pitches you know, every five days and throwing warm-up sessions in between. He's a catcher. So how do position players get this? Could just be something that happens to, to people's arms. He's been very unlucky, Travis Darno. As much as I get on him. For his performance or lack thereof, he's been very unlucky, and personally, you feel bad for a guy like that, who's trying to get going for once in his career, and the Mets are off to a hot start. He was contributing on a part-time basis, finally maybe finding his niche, and... Unfortunately, it looks like he's going to be done for quite some time, but he hasn't made a decision yet on that surgery. 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. More your calls, do some nicks on the other side, and got a lot to do. Mets tickets still to give away. One pair next hour, one pair in the 8 o'clock hour. NBA, baseball, all ahead. It's Salakata in the Sport Zone filling in for Pete McCarthy.
0: Now you're in the W O R Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete here's Sal
1: Licata. One of my friends was texting me during the break. He was listening on his drive back from Syracuse. Good to see our reach up there. And he brought up an interesting point. Uh, surprised that Tommy Johns doesn't happen more to catchers. Remember, they throw the ball back every uh, pitch for, you know, to the pitcher, obviously, for every game. So I know it's not as hard, clearly, but that is a lot more use on the arm, which is an interesting point. You don't think about that, but I, I guess it is maybe, you know, Um, something to think about why maybe it doesn't happen more often with catchers as much as they do use the arm. I don't, I honestly, I have no idea. I don't know why it would happen to TJ Rivera, why it would happen to Travis Darno. You could assume why it would happen to Zach Wheeler and Steven Matz. I mean, you know, pitchers, it, it makes sense for position players. Maybe not so much. And I also don't know, now maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong on this, whether it's a caller, producer Mark. Doesn't uh, Tanaka have a partial tear of that same thing and he decided to battle through it? I mean, that's why you don't necessarily need the surgery. And Tanaka, we've all been waiting for it to fully tear, and it's never happened. I mean, he's been going out there and still dominating. So am I wrong with that, Producer Mark? He, he... does. So does Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo has it as well. That's right. But apparently right. partial tear could be 25%, and 25% or more is where you need to get the surgery. Okay. So they must be less than 25%. And what's what's Darno at specifically? He's they that... haven't released that yet. Okay. I thought I saw some. Oh, okay. So maybe somebody, That's was... What somebody was tweeting yesterday. About the percentages. Okay. So we don't know what percentage. Okay. Let's go to uh, Brody on Long Island. What's up, Brody? Hey, Bud. So
3: here's the skinny, man. What you said about the Yankees and the Mets, man, you got to man up. I, my kids asked me, one is 28 and, and the other one is 35. The 28-year-old says to me, why couldn't we have been Yankee fans? I said, because we're Mets fans. I was at the first Mets game, caught a foul ball by Felix Manti at the Polo Ground, 62. And for you to say that, man, I want nothing. To be a champion, you got to play like a champion. Mets got to beat the Yankees, beat the Yankees, and beat everyone else. If they they face the Red Sox, we're going to beat the Red
1: Sox. Yeah, I didn't say I didn't want to play anybody else, Brody, and you're right. Maybe I've gotten soft, but I don't want to face the Yankees again. I've been beaten down. I mean, come on. Enough of the Yankees. If the Mets go to the World Series, I want the Mets to be there on their own. Let the spotlight be on them, and then go win it. What is it going to be against the Yankees? Why do they have to be in everything? I'm sick of the Yankees. And I'm sick of losing to the Yankees. In a perfect world, they would have beat the Yankees in 2000. End of story. Yankees can have all their championships, all their great history, all their great glory, but the Mets fans would always have had that moment over them. Yeah, but you know what? 2000 World Series. That would have been if things were right in the sports world. If there was a sports god. But of course, what happens? The Mets go feebly in five games. And the Yanks celebrate not only that they win and beat the Mets, they do it in Chase Stadium. Makes me sick. <laughs> here's the news with Jeff McKinney. So, filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Well, although it was expected, the New, York's, the New York Knicks making some news today, easy for me to say, by firing Jeff Hornacek, I really feel bad for Hornacek. First of all, he did not uh, deserve the fate, but we all knew that that was what was going to happen once he was in fact hired by Phil Jackson. Especially once Phil Jackson was fired, you knew it was just a matter of time before Hornacek got the boot as well. So the Knicks once again will start uh, their head coaching search. It's uh, going to be the 11th time in, I think, 18 seasons. Right now, to get some more insight to that, we welcome in the Athletics' Mike Vorkanoff. All right, Mike. Uh, you were there, Mills, Perry, press conference today, Really not much coming from that. What did you learn, if anything, from uh, what Mills and Perry had to say today?
4: Well, I don't think there is much to take away from it, like you said. Uh, you know, they revealed a little bit about the type of coach that they want, defensive-minded, uh, plays with a little bit of pace, to- the main things is they want a, you know, good communicator, a good voice for the team, someone who will hold the uh, the players, the coaching staff accountable, but not none of that is too far away from what teams usually seek. I, I think the biggest thing is that, um, you know, this is kind of like a reboot for Steve Mills and for Scott Perry, and their you know their opportunity to really stamp the organization um, in their image and with the personnel that they want at the coaching level.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's fair, right? You bring in a new GM, you want to have him make his hire. The problem with the Knicks is like everything else, it's all disjointed. You rather have a clean sweep and then, you know, a fresh start. Okay, hire the GM, have the GM hire the head coach, and let's go from there. And they've always been disjointed here. So I think it is refreshing, at least, that you're going to have GM Mills, uh, excuse me, uh, GM Perry make his pick along with obviously Mills. To get their guy and then the question becomes well i guess let's start with this one mike uh who were the candidates give me the three top guys you think realistically would be the next head coach
4: you know i think uh you know mark jackson the former warriors coach current espn nba analyst um, david blatt seems like he's in the mix there uh, the former cavaliers coach david Fisdale, who had about 100 games as a grizzlies coach and then you know there have been reports of uh the Knicks reaching out to Jerry Stackhouse, the former NBA star, and you know now he's coaching the Raptors G League team. So it seems like those four guys, at least right now, are kind of ahead of the pack.
1: Yeah, I mean I, there are some good names that you like, some names that maybe you wouldn't love. Ultimately, though, it comes down to the players. How do you see the Knicks improving this roster from what has just been a dreadful basketball team? Forget the poor Zingas injury. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, they have been a bad constructed team for many years here. They've fallen flat in many different areas. How are they going to improve talent-wise, Mike? I mean, is it reasonable to expect that they could become a playoff team next year? We're we talking about another rebuild for three, five years. I mean, what are we looking at as far as getting this talent improved on this roster? Oof, uh,
3: talent!
4: You know, playoff team next year... I'd say that's top, especially when you hear Perry and Mills both say that they want to be patient and they don't want to make any quick fixes, which if you think you're already a playoff team next year, uh, you're not preaching patience, right? You know, I, weirdly enough, the, their best way to getting better, uh, much for the long term less so for the short term, is kind of like staying quiet and staying on track and not being overly aggressive. They're going to have a top ten pick, you know, probably number nine, you know, small 6% chance that it jumps into the top three. They're going to have, I think, the 37th overall uh, pick, which is a pretty high second-round pick, and those are more valuable than they seem. And maybe they run into a little bit of cap space if Ennis Cantor opts out and Kylo Quinn opts out, but you don't want to do anything dumb there and kind of commit to a long-term contract for anyone who's not a all-star level player, I would think. And, you know, really, that's it. Next year, it was looking like it's not going to be too great again, maybe on the level of this year. And if they get another, you know, top eight, maybe top five pick out of that, then you've got some talent, right? Then you've got some serious high-end talent with whoever they pick this year, you know, whoever they might pick next year if they get a lottery pick. I'm pretty high on Frank Milikina. I think he's good. Christoph is obviously, all-star before he got hurt. ACL, not a career ender anymore. So, you know, probability-wise, he'll come back to where he was before he got hurt. And if you look at it that way, then you have four guys you could build around, as well as Tim Hardaway, who's got three years left. Um, and, you know, maybe one of their their guys that they're trying to develop, like Damian Dotson hits, it becomes a good rotation player.
1: So, well, Mike Vorkanoff covering the Knicks for the Athletic. How about the cap space you touched on it a little bit right there? When is the next time the Knicks are going to have a significant amount of cap space? Well,
4: it looks like they're really kind of uh, trying to build up for next summer, the summer of 2019. If, if they kind of play their cards right, get rid of all the contracts that they need to, which is Joe Kimmel or Courtney Lee, um, you know, and if Cantor either opts out this summer or his contract runs out, Kyle Quinn opts out, all that type of stuff. You can do the machinations on your own. They might have enough, uh, depending on when they offer and sign for things to an uh, extension, to offer enough to a max level player. Uh, And that's when you can kind of get that guy uh, to build around Porzingis and the rest of the crew. But again, you know, saving up all the cap stays for a max level player has been a siren song throughout recent Knicks history that's really kind of left them stranded on the rocks, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, you'd like a combination. You'd want to go get the one big guy, and then, as you mentioned, have Porzingis come back and be what he could be, you know, draft the next couple years and hit on those players, and then potentially you can go compete for a championship. On the topic of Porzingis, you think it's realistic, Mike, to expect him to be ready at some point next season to play, you know, solid basketball for this team?
4: I think it's definitely realistic. You know, if you look at the time it takes most people, to return from an ACL injury. Um, nowadays, it's somewhere you know, within 10 to 13 months, maybe 10 to 12 months. Um, if you want to be conservative, and you don't want to push guys back, I, I think the, scientifically the data shows that you never want to come back before nine months post-op. Uh, so, you know, I think that puts them around uh, November, if I have my math right. You know, if he takes a year in returns after the All-Star break next year, That's a reasonable amount to miss, and you're not rushing it, and it still gives you, you know, the last two months of the season to kind of jump back on the court. And I don't think that, um, you know, they have any reason to rush it, right? Like, if if the the, uh, projections for next year hold, and they're, again, not a playoff team, there's no reason to rush Porzingis back. Let him take his time, let him rehabilitate, and then bring him back and ease him uh, back into the court and the team.
1: So potentially, and look, I know this is best-case scenario. We don't know what's going to happen. A lot's going to happen from now till then. But potentially, that could be the beginning. The Nick fan just has to get through from now until after the All-Star break, potentially to when Porzingis returns. And then that can start to be you know, the climb back, right? Because you'd have Porzingis back healthy and you hope he fits in well. You have the new head coach in place. You have some draft picks. You're going to get another draft pick potentially. Then by the following season, you have cap space, all these draft picks together, healthy Porzingis. So maybe by the, I guess it will be the 19-20 season. Is that right, Math?
4: Yeah. I mean, it seems kind of unfair to keep asking Knicks fans to keep waiting. and Keep showing patience and wait another, you know, half a year or season or whatever to wait for the beginning. But, yeah, you know, no Aquino be in camp. So will the new pick uh, this September. And then you wait for Christoph Sporzingis to join them, you know, whenever he does come back. And then you have maybe another high pick next summer and then whatever they have in free agency And uh, when the 2019-20 season begins, that ostensibly – uh, is the time to, if everything breaks right, you know, uh, put that qualifier qualifier on there. That's when the Knicks could be a, a postseason contender, and maybe more if everything goes well for them.
1: Right, maybe a legitimate contender. But here's the, you know, I mean, who knows? Because as we said, uh, we've heard about this for years, waiting for them for 17 plus years here to get it turned around. It hasn't happened. So I ask you, Mike, the final question: Why should the Knicks fans believe in Mills? Perry and whatever head coach that they hire when they've seen, now this will be the 11th coach in, I believe, 18 seasons. What's different now? Should the Knicks fan believe in Mills and Perry?
4: Yeah, that's a difficult question, right? Because that's something that Knicks fans have been asking for a while. Um, I think it's worthwhile if you're going to take the optimist view to believe in them because they haven't shown you a reason not to uh, so far, right? They've stuck to their guns when they said they want to be patient. I don't think that giving Horn a second year as head coach before making decision on him is a bad idea. The Warriors ownership did something similar when they bought the franchise and took a year to really evaluate things. They're keeping their assets, building up draft picks, um, trying to stockpile young talent. And, you know, at the very least, they have charted a course for themselves where you can see this being a playoff team in a few years. And that's not always been the case for the Knicks and, what the uh, their executives have envisioned. So right now, Mills and Perry are kind of building something that, at least, if everything goes well for them, becomes a postseason team, and that in itself is kind of progress. Competency is progress for the Knicks organization.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> we haven't seen that in forever. I get, I lied, Mike. Last one for you. Any? I don't believe it, but is there any chance Jeff Van Gundy has interest in this Knicks job?
4: Uh, you know, I haven't done the reporting on that myself. Everything you see is that he seems like he would have interest if you know the the Knicks reach out. Um, he's kind of had a frosty relationship with the organization, right? Since he resigned hmm. in two thousand and one. Um, I know the Knicks say always uh, once a Nick, always a Nick, but you know that's that's kind of a truism that hasn't always proven to be true. Um, so, you know, nothing would surprise me, but I, I think that. You know, if you try to go to the well with Van Gundy, and I'm sure he would make a good coach, there there are question marks there too, right? He hasn't coached in 10 years in the NBA. He coached in a totally different era of the NBA in terms of style of play, in terms of personnel. Um, so you'd have to wonder how he adjusts to that. And, you know, uh, from uh, a Perry and Mills standpoint, you'd have to ask the question of, like, do you want to bring in someone who kind of has uh, this this psychic hold on the Knicks fan base and, and all the things that, come along with that. So if I had to guess, I'd say that it's more likely than not that he doesn't become the Knicks coach, but I mean, it can't hurt to reach out, right? Like, you want to do all your due diligence.
1: Yeah, I would be curious. uh, Well, I mean, it is twofold. Whether they have interest in him, but more importantly, if he has interest in them, and then to see what they would do with that, because obviously, as you mentioned, that's been the thing for so long, is that you felt Jeff wanted nothing to do with the organization. That may not be the case anymore. Now, if he has interest and they don't in him, that's a different story. But if he's open to it, then it is something you uh, certainly should explore. Mike Vorkanoff, The Athletic, make sure you check him out for his all- Knicks coverage is going to be a busy, I would assume, couple of months here, right? You get the Knicks hiring a head coach. They'll be patient with that. You're going to have the draft coming up uh, eventually. So uh, stay tuned to Mike uh, on the Athletic with uh, all the updates on the Knicks. Been a boring year, Mike, but it'll be an uh, interesting offseason for you.
4: Yeah, all the excitement they missed over the regular season, they're just going to cram into like three months now.
1: (laughs) Exactly. All right, Mike. Thanks for your time. All right, thanks. Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. Look, I have some thoughts uh, about what uh, what I think is going to happen with the Knicks. Also, some interesting quotes from a recent Jeff Van Gundy interview that I want to play back for you. I know every – look, I love them. Every Knicks fan loves them. want to play those back for you as well. Plus, your calls, 800-321-0710, 800 710 And we do have a pair of Mets tickets to give away at some point this hour, so stay tuned for that. It's the Sports Zone with Sal Akata filling in for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710-WOR.com.
0: You're in the W O R Sports
1: Zone. In for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Happy birthday, Ray Martell! Did you know that? Uh, did you know that producer Mark that Ray Martell's birthday was today? I did. The Mets gave him an off day for that. Yeah, exactly right. That's what he gets for his birthday, a nice off day uh, with the family. So, happy birthday, Ray! He'll be back with you tomorrow. So, will Petey Mac coverage begins six oh five right here? on the home for the New York Mets, uh, W-O-R, and the Mets taking on the Brew Crew for three. Stephen Matt's goes tomorrow night, so you don't want to miss that. And if you can't, uh, well, you know what, you can listen to the game and go to the game. Get out to the Citi Field and go check that out. 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710 is the number if you want to call. Mets, Yanks, whatever it is that's on your mind, Knicks, certainly. Now, I was listening to my friend Jimmy Train's podcast today, uh, I listened to the Van Gundy part so far, and he had Van Gundy on. It's the SI Media podcast, and he allowed us to play this clip of Van Gundy who had, uh look, I mean, as you just heard Mike Vorkanoff tell you, and you know this, this is no secret to, to any Knicks fan, they had, or at least was reported to have a bad relationship, Van Gundy and James Dolan. I mean, and that's for years why when the Knicks were hiring coach after coach after coach after coach since Van Gundy left, that you were always holding out hope he would come back, but you never thought it was realistic because of their relationship. And then recently, Frank uh, Isola, who knows Van Gundy very well, has been throwing Van Gundy's name in some of these reports, where in many years prior it was unheard of that you would even, come on. You people laugh it off. I could scream for Van Gundy all I want. It's not going to happen, Van, Van Gundy on this interview or during this interview on the SI media podcast had this to say about the New York Knicks owner.
3: I don't know, you know, anything about how the Knicks run now or like any of that sort of stuff. All I'm saying is when I was there, um, we had every resource we needed to win and to try to win. And I think ownership oftentimes gets criticized for being, you know cheap uh in 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 many you know organizations around the country and rightfully so but in new york never like uh, price was never mentioned so it was it was always can this make us better does this give us a better chance to win and uh we always had that freedom
1: And then Jimmy followed up with, so are you coming back to coach the Knicks? And of course, uh, Hornacek, of course Van Gundy would not answer that question because he was being respectful to Hornacek and went on to talk about it's not about Hornacek or the coach, it's about the players. But he never, I mean, nothing was going to say yes or no in this particular spot. You would think if he wasn't thinking about it at all, that he would just shoot it down immediately and say, I'm done coaching, Uh certainly I'm not going to coach that team, I think I look for a different spot, whatever it may be. He did not do that. As a matter of fact, he complimented the owner of the team. So that should put to bed, I would think, any potential issue between the two, or at least from Van Gundy's side toward him. Being complimentary in a public setting. Again, that was courtesy of Sports Illustrated's media podcast with Jimmy Traynor. So make sure you check that out, download some good info right there. I think newsworthy cut from, um, from Jeff Van Gundy. Now I have also checked in a little birdie told me that it in fact will not be Jeff Van Gundy, uh, uh, who will, you know, be the next head coach in the New York Knicks and that will be Mark Jackson. Now you could take that for what it's worth. Um, I would say that it is a very trusted, reliable source who is well connected to the New York sports scene. Um, yeah, I, you know, not going to be Van Gundy. I flat out asked because I wanted to come on and talk about how the Knicks should go get Van Gundy. This should be the push. We could relive the magic all those years with Van Gundy. He's the perfect guy. He knows the game. He's doing broadcasts. Obviously, he knows about getting players to buy into defense. He was always relatable anyway with the players. Um, That would be my dream guy, but I was told that that is not realistic and that Mark Jackson will be the guy that the Knicks hire. I don't know if that's a major surprise to anybody. Certainly, Jackson's name has been brought up. Uh, I know Blatt and his relationship with Perry Mills. You know Fizdale's name has been mentioned. There's been a bunch of Stackhouse keeps coming up, but after you know checking in with you know my source today, Mark, I-, I I firmly believe Mark Jackson will be the guy for the New York Knicks, and I think it's a good hire. If that's to be the case, I don't think I love it. I don't know. I've been turned off by Jackson for the last several years. Whatever the issues were with, uh, you know, the religious nonsense and all that stuff, I don't care about that. I care about winning basketball games, getting the team to play some defense and buy in. Uh, I just don't love, I don't know, maybe I'm being unfair. Jackson was a good Nick. Look, I look at him as a pacer as well, okay? But I would not be, it would not be the home run hire to me. It's an okay hire. Is Mark Jackson any better a coach? Than Jeff Hornacek in reality, I don't know the answer to that. But to Van Gundy's point, doesn't really matter who the head coach is. You need to get some players in there. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Mickey is in Manhattan. What's up, Mickey? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Got to turn the radio off, Mickey. You're on the air. What's up? All right. Oh, this should be fun. Is in Manhattan. What's up, Mickey? Hey. Sal,
0: when I hear you on the radio, I'm back at
1: Ebbets Field. Okay, Mickey. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. I don't know what that means exactly. Well, you bring me back with the baseball. Okay, Mickey. I gotta. I look. I gotta let you go because I don't. As much as I love myself, uh, I don't like hearing myself on delay uh, with the radio in the background. So I don't know what that means, bringing you back with the baseball. But I'm glad we could, you know, make it entertaining for you. Speaking of Ebbets Field, I wanted to read this press release. Thank you, Mickey, because you just reminded me of something I wanted to do. The Mets had a, of course, now I'm not going to be able to find the email. Did I delete this? I hope not. Uh, no, here it is. Mets are celebrating Jackie Robinson Day, and there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to bring this up. First of all, you should get out to uh, the ballpark at City Field April 15th. Mets announced today they're, uh, they're going to have some activities uh, going to take place at City Field to commemorate the annual league wide Jackie Robinson Day. This is Sunday, April 15th, prior to the 110 game versus the Brewers. Uh, There's going to be a tour given by Jackie Robinson Foundation scholars, pregame ceremonies with Jackie's wife, founder of the Jackie Robinson Foundation, Rachel Robinson, along with their children, Sharon David Robinson. uh, Excuse me, David Robinson. So you want to uh, check that out. A lot more going on as well. You know all the players are going to wear number 42, um, so it's a nice celebration that the Mets will have. But also, the reason why I bring this up, and I think it's topical, at least in my mind, I've been reading this Tiger Woods book or listening to this Tiger Woods book. I've been telling you about that the last several shows that I did. And there was a story in there that I never heard before that back in nineteen ninety seven, and I remember being at the game, Armando Reynoso pitched it for the Mets. I forget who they were playing that Maybe it was the, yeah, it must have been the Dodgers. Mets Dodgers, it was like a Tuesday night, whatever it was in ninety seven. Armando Reynoso on the mound, but it was Jackie Robinson night, and that was the night that Bill Clinton was on hand to throw out the first pitch. So it was a big night at, at Shea Stadium. Everybody the ballpark was basically packed, which it never was in ninety seven. It was packed until Clinton he didn't throw excuse me, he didn't throw out the first pitch. I think he came out in like the sixth or seventh inning or something like that. Um I, I forget the exact scenario with Clinton. Maybe it was there. Uh, in between game, maybe he did throw out the first pitch. But I remember when he left, it seemed like half the ballpark emptied out. That's why I said maybe he didn't throw out the first pitch. I forget what it was, but Bill Clinton was on hand to do something special for Jackie Robinson Night that night at Chase Stadium, and he apparently invited Tiger Woods, who was just coming off a win at the Masters. Must have been the Masters, and he won. I think it was Tiger's first win at the Masters, or, or yeah, it had been because that was the time, right? April. It was early April. And Tiger refused to go and be Bill Clinton's guest, along with Jackie Robinson's wife, and he didn't even decline in a respectful manner. Basically, ignored the former president and went on his four-day cruise or trip or wherever it was that he was on, you know, some some island vacationing. But how about that? Tiger, as a young kid, when his first Masters. Was invited. Now I know it was only a couple of days, but Tiger had a planned vacation. Bill Clinton invites you to Shea Stadium for Jackie Robinson night, and Tiger Woods blew him off. And that's one of the many, many instances – that give you a look into the type of guy Tiger Woods was. Anyway, I thought it was topical today with that note with the Mets. And thank you, Mickey, for bringing it up for whatever it means that I take you back to Ebbets Field. 800-321s. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. 800 321 800 321 Your calls on the Mets, Knicks, Yanks, whatever it is that's on your mind. Mets tickets to give away when we come back. Zone with Sal Licata filling in for Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York 710WOR.
0: This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, here's Sal Lakota.
1: Right now, your chance to win a pair of tickets. to the Mets take on the Rockies May 5th out at City Field. And if I'm not mistaken, that's Joanna Cespedes' Gnome Night. Be caller number 52 at 800. 800- Caller number 50. That's all right, Mark. You'll get through them quickly. That's Cespedes. 800 321 you just say 52? Yeah, for Cespedes. Look, the lines are lighting up. They will be 52. He's got two hits. You want to just make it caller number two? No, 52. Come on. You can, you can check through them. 800 uh, 321 And you're the winner. Brought to you by the New York Mets and by Coca-Cola. Get to City Field Saturday night, May 5th. See, the Mets take on the Rockies. The first, It is the first 25,000 fans in attendance will receive a Yoannis Cespedes Garden Gnome, courtesy of New Balance. Purchase tickets at Mets.com slash tickets. Sorry, Mark, but I just, it comes to me. I like doing it based on the players' numbers there. I actually want to go to that game. I, uh, I like the gnomes. The gnomes and the bobbleheads are two things that I like collecting. I'm going Saturday for the fireworks. Oh, nice. So this Saturday fireworks night, who's who's pitching? I should check the, um, I wanted to do that. The day. Harvey. It is Harvey Saturday, so it goes. Matt's Friday. Right, so Harvey Saturday. Uh, I don't know why I got confused. I guess Wheeler in the rotation threw me off a little bit with the way that it went. So Wheeler took the, because of the way the day's off, they had Syndergaard and DeGrom and then Wheeler. Yes, so I guess Syndergaard would be Sunday. All right, so we go right back. So then, now, now the order would be so it's going to be Matts Harvey, Syndergaard, Degrom, Wheeler. So Wheeler uh, essentially is the third guy behind Syndergaard, Degrom, Syndergaard, Degrom, Wheeler, then Matts Harvey. The way that it lines up now. Um, Anyway, so it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, the Mets are winning all these games anyway, and every pitcher uh, seems to be at least effective. Maybe not going deep so far into these games, but at least uh, effective. We'll have another pair of tickets to give away next hour. We'll also have Taylor Rooks of SNY and of podcast fame. Timeout with Taylor Rooks. She will join us in studio at 8 o'clock. We'll go around the NBA as I want to preview the NBA playoffs. Actually, uh, NHL playoffs started last night. And Devils playing tonight against uh, against the Lightning. Uh, NHL playoffs, to me, are intriguing. Not as much as the NBA playoffs, though, are in the first round. We'll dive into that in some detail with Taylor. Uh, last night, Winnipeg beat Minnesota. You had Vegas, who I, I can't even imagine an expansion team doing what uh, the Vegas uh, Golden Knights have done. Um as they are uh they beat the Kings 1 nothing, Pittsburgh blowing out the Flyers 7 nothing. Tonight it's Boston and Toronto, Tampa Bay and New Jersey, Washington, Columbus, and then I guess a little bit later on you got San Jose, Anaheim, and Colorado and Nashville, Boston uh on on the board one nothing over Toronto. I'm into the NHL playoffs and I'll get more into it as it goes on, but I think there's intrigue with the NBA playoffs because of the parity with all the injuries to the Warriors. Uh, and the Spurs for that matter. It just feels, uh, it feels like more teams, the first round at least, feels like it could be more competitive than years past. You know, the Celtics are banged up. The Cavs haven't had as much success as you would expect them to have, although LeBron is the greatest thing going. I get all that. I just feel like there's more intrigue to it. But baseball, uh, you know, Knicks, whatever it is that's on your mind. 800 321 0710. 800 321 0710. Vincent is in Jersey. What's up, Vincent?
3: Hey, uh, just want to talk about how uh, Zach Wheeler's start was.
1: All right, go ahead.
4: Um, he did great. He only allowed one earned run, retired thirteen straight from the second innings.
1: You have two hits. Right, I know the stats, Vincent. What else about about the st- uh, start stood out to you?
3: Um. Looks like we got a great five rotation this season. Mickey's really smart, and i say we can do great this
1: season. Thank you, Vincent. I appreciate the call. Look, the rotation has been good. It hasn't been great just yet, but it has been healthy. And I think that's the most important thing right now. They've been effective when out there for the most part. But they haven't gone deep into games. Look, it's only a few starts in, a couple starts, few starts, depending on which pitcher it is. Wheeler was tremendous last night. You're right about that. And if they could rely on him to be, you know, the fifth starter or whatever starter until Vargas comes back. And even Vargas, when he comes, maybe he'll be a guy who could go six, seven innings. Who knows what he's gonna give you. But they have enough to where even if something went wrong with, say, Harvey or Matt's where they should be okay to plug the next guy in and get quality starts out of him. My biggest concern right now, and I do think those guys will get better, I do think Syndergaard will start to pitch seven, eight innings. I do think DeGrom will start to pitch seven, eight innings. My biggest concern right now with this team would be the overuse of the bullpen. You don't want that to become the pattern, and Callaway's aware of it. We're not saying anything he doesn't know. Because he's referenced it, saying they've been fortunate with the you know, the snow out, with the days off, the way that it's scheduled. They've had an opportunity to rest a bunch of guys to where they can use them in almost every game so far. Well, that's not going to be the case when they get into a stretch like they're gonna be after tonight, where they don't have an off day again until Monday the twenty third. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten days in a row they'll be playing. That's a nice little stretch there where they're going to have to manage the bullpen a little bit better and make sure the guys get rest. Well, how do you do that? You have starters go deeper into games. How about last night, the Marlins and Donnie Mattingly taking out Garcia out of that ballgame after six no-hit innings throwing 77 pitches? I mean, what a joke. What What have sports become? You know what's sad? And again, listening to that podcast, the SI Media podcast with Jimmy Trainer, had Jeff Van Gundy on. Van Gundy brought this up, and I think it's an excellent point. When talking about NBA, Trainer was joking around asking him if he were commissioner, what would he do? One of the things he said was that he would make it, I don't know if he said penalize teams for losing, but make more, make there be no incentive for teams to lose. In other words, teams can tank right now, and they think that there's a benefit for it. You're going to get a high pick, and if you do that several years in a row, whether it's the Astros in baseball, whether it's the Sixers in basketball, some some people think that that will lead to success ultimately. It doesn't. It doesn't guarantee anything other than losing in the years that you are given up. But sports now have become about that a lot more than they used to, where you used to have teams that lost consistently, but they were at least trying to some extent. Now you have a team like the Marlins, for example, or in this example in baseball, where they clearly are not trying to win. How's that good for anybody? How is that good for the sport? How is it good in the NBA where you have teams tanking for years, losing on purpose? You it, It doesn't I mean, the whole point of sports is to try to win, right? You're supposed to have competitive balance and having these teams try to win these games. And it doesn't happen anymore. Because one team has success after years of futility and not trying, and then everybody wants to copycat that that blueprint and think that that's going to work. Well, it might, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And not only that, it should be illegal. It should not be allowed to take place. Whether there's got to be a minimum amount spent or whatever rule needs to be put in place to prevent it from happening, it should not happen. In the Marlins' case, they clearly are a team that does not care about winning. You know that going in, right? But when you see it pan out on an individual game-by-game basis, for example, last night, a no-hitter going in the sixth inning, Well, the guy who's thrown 77 pitches, they pull him out of the game. Of course, predictably, the team goes on to blow the game. But that's even beside the point. Doesn't matter at that point. How do you take that guy out of the game? If he had 100 pitches, I can understand. It's not about the no-hitter. Not about the no-hitter. It's about taking a guy out who's winning a ball game and pitching a no-hitter, but has 77 pitches. Can't take him out. Unacceptable. How does baseball stand for that? What, do they think they're doing the kid good? Oh, what is it What is he, 12 years old? What are we, in Little League here? Oh, good job, Yarlon, Or has, however you say his name. Good job, buddy. Hey, you did a nice job getting us through six innings. All right. Go get some ice cream with your mom in the stands. You're trying to win a ball game here. It's the major leagues. It's the major leagues. No hitter through six innings have the lead 77 pitches and you pull him out of the game? That's a disgrace. Disgrace to the sport. I don't care if he was 14 years old. Hey, go get him. Go get him, son. You got a no hitter going. We ain't taking you out of this game. And break off a nice couple of curveballs, too. Eight hundred three uh, two one zero seven ten eight hundred. I 710 800, really, the sport isn't, I mean, when you got teams, and it's not just this sport, the NBA and Major League Baseball, you have teams that just don't try to win. I don't think that's the case in the NHL. You may have teams that rebuild from year to year, but they are competitive in trying to, and you know, you've seen teams rebuild quickly there. They are competitive each year. The NBA and Major League Baseball. There are probably at least five teams where you can look at and say these teams aren't even trying to win every night. It's not. It's not right for the sport. It does, it's an injustice. It's really ridiculous and should not be allowed to take place 800-321-0710 Mets tickets to give away next hour, so hold off on your calls for that if you want to call, you can call and talk to me but the Mets tickets not coming until next hour Taylor Rooks coming up at 8.05 we'll do some NBA playoff preview can't wait to go over the matchups with Taylor live in studios. So we'll have some fun with that whatever it is, it's on your mind 800-321-0710 it's Salakata in the Sports Zone, filling in for Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York 710-WOR
0: Now you're in the W.O.R. Sports Zone Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata
1: Taylor Rooks is in the house We'll get to her in a little bit After the news, do some NBA playoff preview Probably talk some Knicks with her as well been having an issue with my throat I don't know what it is I don't know if it's allergies or what But I feel like I'm losing my voice That can't be good Eight hundred three two one zero seven. Ten Eight hundred three two one zero seven. I'm sure that makes some of you happy out there. All right, enough screaming, Sal. No more. Um, I was just reading Jeff uh, Jeff Van Gunney's article, Frank Isola's article, talking about the Knicks and who would be potentially their next head coach. Uh, I told you before, uh, I heard that it's going to be Mark Jackson, uh, you know, Van Gundy, no shot. Now, I don't want to believe that, but I do believe that. I wish it would be Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, I love the guy. He's, you know, for obvious reasons. Come on. He was like a father figure to me back in the late nineties with uh, mid to late nineties. As a matter of fact, after Riley left. So, you know, every Nick fan loves Jeff Van Gundy. He'd be great for nostalgia purposes and because he's a great head coach, but maybe Mark Jackson is the better fit. Maybe I'm overlooking that a little bit, but Frank goes on to mention, You know, they reached out to Stackhouse already. Uh, Jay Wright is a name that comes up. I don't know if I would want a college coach as great as Jay Wright is. Would that be the guy who you want to, you know, be the guy to try to finally get this team over the hump? Frank brings up some good points about Van Gundy and Jackson being the two obvious choices for different reasons. I mean, they're both, uh, well, maybe similar reasons, both strong-willed, disciplined head coaches, you know, defense, uh, preaching guys, uh, with that, Obviously, Van Gundy has a much uh, more extensive resume than Mark Jackson does, but Jackson helped get that Warrior team started in going in the right direction. Maybe the players would want Mark Jackson more because he's more relatable right now. I don't know the age difference between Van Gundy and Jackson, though. Oh, well, Van Gundy's got to be older, right? I mean, Jackson played for him. I would think that it's a little bit different, so maybe Jackson uh, would be more the guy that the players can relate to as opposed to Jeff Van Gundy. Um, and I don't know the exact details of what happened, what went wrong with Mark Jackson in Golden State, but I believe it was an issue with the owner about some of the policies that Jackson, or, or ideas that Jackson had, whether it was religious stuff and all that type of nonsense. I don't know how that would go over here. Um, but either way, it seems like Jackson's going to be the guy, or at least the front runner at the moment with a bunch of names there. But it should be a big... And I don't know when this decision is going to come down. Obviously, it'll be a big decision once made. And then you hope the Knicks can start, finally at least start, from there, you have Mills, Perry, okay, fine, let them pick their guy, whatever head coach it may be, go out, hit on the draft pick. You have Neil Akina, you have Porzingis coming back at some point healthy. Then next year they're going to stink as well. You should get another good draft pick, have to hit on that. I mean, I know it's a lot, but this is what has to happen for this team to eventually have some success and dig out of this 18-year you know, black hole that they've been in. And it really hasn't been good. You look over, as I mentioned, this will now be the 11th coach in 18 seasons for the Knicks. Outside of Mike Woodson, there not one of those coaches has, has had a good record. Not one of them. And we're talking about Hall of Fame guys here. Lenny Wilkins, Larry Brown. I mean, they, they, the Knicks have stunk so bad. They've become so irrelevant and any little, even this year, I got sucked in. Last year before the season, I liked the roster. Oh, Rose and Noah and Mello, they're going to be competitive. Then, of course, I was dead wrong, and they were awful. This year, I get sucked in. They're playing hard. They're playing passionate. Cantor fighting with LeBron. Neil Aquinas sticking up for himself. This team maybe has something here. Maybe they can make the playoffs. Maybe they can be a 500 team. Of course, it falls apart. Some point, you would hope that they could get it turned around and start winning some basketball games. I mean, it is New York. They used to be the team. Hard to believe for some young fans, but the Knicks were it. There were, Nothing else mattered. And it's been so long that, I mean, they haven't mattered in so long. They, they just have fallen off. They're, they're not relevant, and it's sad. Well, maybe the next guy could bring him back. All right, Taylor Rooks coming up next at 8.05. We'll do some Knicks with her, maybe NBA playoffs uh, preview as well. Can't wait for that. Right now, the news. W O.